This is Dr. Anita with another Diamond Moment. Diamonds are produced through time, heat, and pressure. We're looking at some of the pressure that arises in our lives when we ask ourselves tough questions. We've been looking at generational influences and how they affect our lives. We're going to continue moving forward in this discussion. As I promised, we're going to um, upload more frequently. If you were not here at the onset of our discussion, please go back to Tough Questions and uh, Generational Influences and begin there. We're looking at a documentary that was recently uh, posted by Kirk Franklin, the gospel artist, and that we're looking at his life as more of a case study to be able to have a little distance so that we can also evaluate our own lives. Many times when we look at the lives of others, we're able to see glaringly what went on in their lives. But when we look back at ours, because we tend to be blind to our own mistakes and our own issues, we don't see what we can see in someone else's life. So I invite you to go back and look at the previous, uh, listen to, I'm sorry, the previous episodes and be able to equate those to what you're experiencing. If you haven't seen his documentary, please begin by looking at it. It's only 38 minutes. It's very good, very riveting, very well done. And he's very open in terms of his uh, emotional uh the complexity of his emotions as he deals with the situation. Uh, so please go back and watch. When I stopped the last time, I well, I did explain as well that we're going to be posting more frequently so that we can actually go ahead and build the foundation of what we're learning from his life to apply it into our lives and, and to look at it from a, uh, a perspective of broadening so that we can take it even out of the context of our individual lives and into our community, into our country, into our world. The way that we view things, the way that we interact with people always starts from a basic premise, which is our foundation. And we're looking at where that came from. The last time that we were talking, we were talking about this interaction that he had uh, with his aunt. And I relate to you towards the end of the last episode that it's my belief just in the way that she responded to him as a baby boomer and the way that he immediately responded back, that there was a, uh, a relationship that they had that while he may have been estranged from his mother, I don't believe that he was estranged from his aunt. I said also that I felt that he was angry with his mother and when he uh, was kind of lashing out against his mother, um, inadvertently he lashed out against his aunt who immediately caught it, immediately. Now I've heard some other people say, well, who does she think she is and this, that and the other? Well, she may have been the only person that he could really talk to. He's expressed the fact that the lady who raised him is no longer living. He expressed the fact that he did not have a relationship with his mother. And he's expressed the fact that um, he was not uh, in relationship to anyone that he knew of at that point to be his father. So this was pretty much his only person. Now, when you get angry with somebody, and this is common, it's just regular human behavior. You lash out, hurt people, hurt people. But what he did is he lashed out to someone who did not deserve that. And immediately 
she said very she said he he picked up the phone and 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 said sandra and she said because she caught his voice she knew who it was she probably as we all have uh that id that shows up who this is is calling and you pick up the phone with somebody you've been in a relationship with and all of a sudden they're calling you by your first name sandra and she said who (laughs) and he immediately got it and he said aunt sandra and she said, okay, then she responded. Well, he did something else in that. And I and this is my take on it. I can be completely wrong. Don't think I am. But we know that in order for us to have seen that interaction, the film crew was there. Probably others were looking on. And we know that uh, he's made a comment. Well, you know, I didn't really appreciate that. And I think that comment was based at the people that were his audience he is after all the Kirk Franklin and he was taken down a notch by somebody on the phone but it's somebody that he had a relationship with and it's somebody that evidently he did care about and it's someone that she knew one word would correct it and it did so for those who look like well who does she think she is she is his one relative She's the one person that he has been in contact with. And the thing was, he was able to reach her and ask her help to reach his mother. So she was not only his relative, she is his help. And sometimes from a particular perspective, when you have been someone's help, when no one else is there, it's a little hurtful to be disrespected, even in terms of the way that they call your name. She corrected him. He immediately became corrected. And as it moves forward in the documentary, you see the next time that you see her, not only does he call her Aunt Sandra, but her name is in the caption on the screen, Aunt Sandra, because that is who she was to him. You also recognize it and see it as the documentary proceeds when he has a disagreement with his mother and his aunt lingers back with him. His aunt was still in support of him. She didn't understand her sister's response and she let it be seen. She didn't walk off with her sister as me and you sis against the world. She stood back and she let him know she was still with him. I believe they had a previous relationship. Uh, I also uh, believe that being raised by the silent generation puts you at a distinct disadvantage. Um, And I'm going to tell the story of someone that actually I knew. And so you can really understand how silent the silent generation really was. I worked with a young woman who wasn't that much younger than I was. And um, she was having her six baby, number six baby, when I was having my number one baby. She wasn't that much older than I was, but she had gotten married because she lived in a part of the country where she got married very, very early. I want to say she was married before she was 16 or so. And her mother, a person from the silent generation, gave her zero knowledge zero sex education knowledge. She knew nothing. Her mother told her, when you, you know, go to live with your husband, just do whatever he says for you to do. 
And she said, you know how to cook, you know how to clean, you know how to do all of this, you'll be just fine, but just do what he says to do. So her children, as she, uh, you know, became a, a married woman and mother, her children were all delivered through, with a midwife. So there was no, you know, a lot of talking. They, they helped her to deliver the babies, but it really wasn't anything else. It wasn't until she left that rural community and came to the city where I met her. And we both ended up having, uh, being pregnant at the same time that she actually, for the first time, had a doctor. She went to an OBGYN. She went to a doctor. And that doctor, on her number six baby, explained to her how pregnancy occurred because she never knew. And it seems odd that she never knew, but she didn't. That silent generation mother told her, whatever your husband says to do, do it. You're going to be fine. And she obeyed her mother, but she didn't. There wasn't anyone to ask questions to, or maybe she didn't think she needed to ask a question. She's told me personally that on her first baby, she just her, you know, she just started to get bigger. She didn't know what was going on. She surely didn't know how this came about. And she was pregnant with zero knowledge. So I want to put this to you because Kirk's mother, a baby boomer, who may or may not have been closely raised by the silent generation parent, may not have really understood the way her body worked. Uh, in the in the documentary, she was very, very, she pushed back real hard on the person being his father. And uh, I believe it's because she did not have a really good understanding of the way a person can become pregnant. I believe that she didn't understand that you don't have to have, and we are, I hope we all are adults, but you don't have to have penetration in order to be able to, to become pregnant. That simply because we have openings and openings can be near openings, not all the way within openings, and that sperm travels. It was two young people too. They may have just been fooling around, playing around. She may not have uh, it may not have actually been her boyfriend. He said they were dating. You know, that has different meanings for today, the ears of today. Some one group of people here is dating, and that means that we went out a little bit. Another group here is dating, and that means that we were intimately involved. Well, for her, it may not have been an intimate involvement. It might have just been, you know, kids playing around, and I could not have possibly become impregnated in this relationship because we never had a full relationship. That's one concept. I heard someone else say that they felt that at that time, being around more than one boy would mean that you were fast, that you were, you know, you were uh, uh, kind of um, loose and that she didn't want to have that as her legacy. And so she denied it. And then there's another thought, which is, again, she may truly not have remembered if she was a person who was using drugs and alcohol. We know that drugs and alcohol will lower, lower uh, your decision making, and she may not have even remembered 
that she'd been in that situation with that young man. So we're looking at the response of baby boomers. And really briefly, I want us also to bring in the person who who uh, he met that uh, did take the DNA test, stood up, was a man, and found that he was his father. A completely different reaction of a person from the same generation ready to take responsibility, ready to do what needed to be done, ready to offer him what he could, and willing to take another test just so that everything could be clear and on the table. It was obvious that he did not uh, need uh, Kirk Franklin's help. He wasn't in it for any particular reason. There was another um, uh, lady who was in the documentary, I would assume was either a family member or possibly his spouse. And he was yet willing and able to open the door for him. We see two different responses to the same situation from people in the same generation. And it's something to think about. His mother, as you will find out, did not want to accept it. He went back, took a second DNA test. She still was unable to accept it. And it really is my thought that she did not remember or she did not understand how this could be so. She swore, she said, on my dead mother's grave, I did not. But she may not have understood how this came about. And I want to cut her a little slack on that behalf. Being raised by the silent generation was really a deal. It's really an issue. And so if that is you, if you are a baby boomer and you were raised by somebody in the silent generation, you have the ability to educate yourself, to do what you need to do, to bring about your own self-actualization and being able to become who you want to be. If you have not listened again, Kirk Franklin's Father's Day 38-minute documentary free on YouTube. Go back and listen to what we've been talking about uh, in in, uh, Tough Questions, Generational Influences, and get back with me next time. We're going to continue in just a couple of days.